0: Well, hey, we're, we're in a series right now. Now, if you're new to church or near to new to hope, or maybe you were in a tradition that didn't talk about what we call Lent, just wanna give you a quick snapshot. Lent is this season that leads up to uh, Easter and Good Friday weekend. Um, it's the 40 days, not counting Sundays, that happens before Good Friday and Easter weekend. And it's a season that in a lot of the church world, we use to prepare our hearts so when we get to Good Friday. When we get to Easter, we are fully engaged in the journey, and it doesn't just kind of hit us and pass us by. And so most people, if they're at least a little bit familiar with the idea of Lent, uh, often think about it in terms of hearing, you know, some traditions where I give up stuff for Lent, right? Anybody familiar with this? We've touched on this if you've been here. Just giving things up for Lent. And this year, rather than kind of going down some of those kind of typical roads, which are good things to give up. Uh, We wanted to take ourselves on a journey down a different road uh, of different things that we might give up for Lent. And so this Lenten season, we are looking at uh, giving up things like uh, giving up darkness uh, for light, Uh, giving up living in hiding and stepping into freedom, Um, giving up despair, stepping back and starting to see more than just the hard stuff in front of us, giving up despair so we can see more, um, and my best kind of crack at summarizing what Pastor Jason preached last week. By the way, if you were here for last week, holy cow, what a great message. Yeah, just wow, wow. Um, In fact, uh, my pastor is over here, Dave Johnson, visiting from Minnesota, and Dave looked at me at the end of Jason's sermon and said, well, I'm sure glad I don't have to follow that next week, so (laughs) thank you. Um, but, but, Jason, my best crack at summarizing that and framing it this way is, is giving up isolation um, and instead connecting um, to learn to assemble and connect as the people of God on a mission together. So giving up that isolation piece and connecting, assembling is the word um, he unpacked for us. So this week now for Lent, um, I'm going to invite us to give up grasping, to give up climbing, and in doing that, um, trusting that as we give up grasping, as we give up climbing, we're going to find freedom by letting go. Now with all that in play, I want to get us rolling by reading our text for this morning. It's Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 5 and read through verse 11. Stay awake because at the end I'm going to have you read the last couple of verses with me, okay? <laughs> Deal? All right. All right, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And let's read this last slide together. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. So Father, to your glory, um, we wanna witness your glory through your son, Jesus, who is Lord, and I pray this morning you would open the eyes of our heart and speak to our hearts. Amen, amen. Well, if you've seen around the room here, we didn't. it wasn't that we didn't finish um, some projects, although we have some projects to do from the workday. We didn't even get inside, so uh, it's not that we just left the ladders up. Um, this actually is a metaphor here. This here we're gonna call... The ladder of success. And in our society, there are different ladders, lots of ladders like this, kind of represented around the room here. And these ladders are put up uh, on the promise that if we could just make it to the top, that's where all the good stuff is, right? Um, If there is a top. That's where the good life resides, up at the top. If we devote our lives to climbing up the ladder, then we will finally achieve status or significance or recognition or some kind of power in whatever realm we're climbing. And we can, if we want to, we can devote ourselves, our whole lives to this. A lot of people do, to climb in the ladder. Any one of us can choose to be a ladder climber, and our ladders look very differently, again, represented by the different kinds of ladders we have around us. And and this week, I read story after story of kind of the ladder climbing motif, where there are different people that that in uh, various ways spent their lives climbing the ladder. And Most of the stories that I read, these folks had achieved some success in their chosen careers and the storylines though, were remarkably similar through most of these stories. Often they started out young. They excelled by achieving and working hard, making huge sacrifices to get ahead. Um, One man's story really struck me He was very typical of many of these stories He was a wealthy, successful CEO Late in his life, reflecting back And and, and his story involved how when he was young He was initially motivated By by, by just climbing up the ladder And he knew he was doing well If he could climb faster than anybody else That was the same age as him Which worked really well for him Until it didn't Um, But when he started out he said every time he reached that new rung, he'd feel a burst of gratification, but, but it never lasted. Because when you're on the ladder, you always have to keep climbing if you want to get that good feeling again. He said when people that were younger than him finally started to catch up and even you know, get on a faster track and surpass him on the ladder, he would get depressed. Because when you're on the ladder, it's not enough that you... Win, everybody else on your ladder also has to lose. That's how the ladder works. So he doubled down, spending more time just climbing the ladder, climbing that ladder. But predictably, the ladder was not good to him. His marriage was on life support, his kids' lives were a mess because they didn't get a lot of his time or energy. He actually lived in a part of our country where where it was still important to go to church because it gave you some some leverage with the business world. There was some some clout or business capital, the connections that could be made through being at the right church. So he still went to church. Every week he went, sat in the same spot every week. Probably nobody was moving his chair like we do here, but yeah. Um, (laughs) But he went, but nobody ever actually knew him. He never got into a small group. Um... He never developed any relationships or community. He didn't, you know, do vulnerability. Um, One of those guys. He never poured himself out in serving um, because he wanted to allocate all of his time, all of his energy for the ladder. See, the truth was the ladder was his God. And he knew, eventually he knew that the ladder climbing was robbing him of life. But oddly enough, He was too afraid to get off the ladder, even though he knew it was sucking the life out of him. He was this guy that would take amazing risks and had a reputation for being really fearless, but what he was afraid of was getting off the ladder. Somewhere he was still convinced deep inside that if he just climbed high enough, he'd finally be okay. He'd be worthy. He'd be important. And like many of these stories not a surprise that no matter how hard he grasped, how fast or far he climbed, he never quite felt what he hoped for. That's how those stories work. And the truth is, you don't have to be somebody in that kind of rat race. to climb the ladder, because we have a lot of ladders here in the West. And, and the thing is, no matter how big or small the ladder is, once we get on the ladder, it's very, very hard to get off. See, what happens is when we're on the ladder, we look at people that are higher up from us, and we get real dissatisfied, and we want to keep climbing. We want to keep catching up. Um, and the weird thing is we don't actually look down at people that are, you know, lower than us. Because when you're climbing a ladder, you're looking up, right? (laughs) Now, sometimes uh, younger people, um, they spot this perilous tendency to ladder climb, and maybe they had a parent that they watched kind of waste their life doing it, or they saw someone else doing it and realized, that is not the life I want to live. And so sometimes young adults actually try to find ways to go the opposite direction, uh, because they've seen it not work out. Uh, Harold Kushner actually writes about a very bright, competitive, uh, driven, pre-med student. And Kushner wrote, the summer for this young man's junior year, while he was traveling the world and he was in the Far East, he met a guru. And the guru said to this student, don't you see that you're poisoning your soul with this success-oriented way of life? Your idea of happiness is to stay up all night, Studying for an exam so you can get a better grade than your best friend, that's your idea of happiness? Your idea of, of a good marriage one day, it's not to find a woman who will match your soul, but you think it's to win the girl that everybody else wants? That's not how people are supposed to live. He said, come and join me in my disciples in an atmosphere where we, where we all share and love one another. Well, truthfully, the kid was getting burned out and he was ripe for this message, so he called his parents. He told them, hey, I'm dropping out of school um, and I'm gonna live in a commune. <laughs> Six months later, parents got a letter from him Dear mom and dad, I know, I know you weren't happy about my decision, but I wanna tell you how it's changed me. For the first time in my life, I'm at peace. Here, there is no competing, no trying to get ahead of anyone. This way of life is so in harmony with my inner soul that in only six months, I've become the number two disciple in the whole community. And I think I can be number one by June. (laughs) It's a little ingrained, right? No matter what we do, it's a little ingrained in us. And so to people like him and people like us, And people 2,000 years ago, when the Apostle Paul penned these words in Philippians, that amazing passage is written to them, to us. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And I just want to pause and look at a couple phrases here. In verse 6 it says, Jesus, being in very nature God, so Jesus is God, Jesus became a servant. And I want to just take a moment to clarify that phrase um, because I think it'd be real easy for us to look at that phrase and, and just in our you know, normal way of thinking say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, in spite of the fact that he was God, Jesus served and from a human standpoint, that would totally make sense to think that that's what the passage means. In fact, I think reflexively, I tend to think of it that way. I think, hey, you know what? If I'm God, then I don't have to serve anybody. That's the good thing about being God, right? <laughs> like, that's the way we would live if we were God, I'm guessing. But, but one scholar, uh, Hawthorne, he says, it's exactly the opposite. In other words, he says, your attitude is to be the same as Christ Jesus who precisely because he was in very nature God, so precisely because he didn't consider equality with God as grounds for grasping, he became a servant. See, Jesus, he says, Jesus came as a servant, not in spite of the fact that he was God, but because he is God. It is, and I love this this sentence, it is the very nature of God to serve. Says Hawthorne. It's the nature of God to serve, which again is almost unbelievable because He's God and it's His nature to serve. But yeah, that's the character of our God. That's the Jesus that we follow. See, when God came to earth in Jesus, He came as the most humble person to ever live. And Jesus, when he came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is. He was actually showing us who God really is. See, this whole passage here, it's very different from the, from the kinds of profiles we would re- read maybe on, in Fortune 500. Um, you know, the LinkedIn profile of Jesus is not the resume of someone who's climbing up the ladder. It's the story of someone who's coming down. And in the kingdom of God, in this pathway of following Jesus, that's what greatness is all about. Now, look back here at verse 6. It says that Jesus um, is God. Verse 6 says that Jesus is God. Now, let's pretend this ladder is like the org chart of the universe, okay? Uh, where would you rank the job title God? Up up high? Okay, you guys are smarter than the first service. Okay, good, yeah. Um, right up high, right up high, right? Uh, you know, if you can't really get a promotion when you start, you know, as God, okay? You start out there, you're good. But what happens is that Jesus is God, but he gives it up. He doesn't consider, you know, getting his way or grasping for what he wants because he's God. He doesn't, he, he doesn't think that this is grounds for grasping. He gives it up, and it says um, that he doesn't cling to it, and he comes down a rung. Comes down a rung and becomes a servant. So he goes from God to servanthood. But think about this. Even the angels in heaven, they're servants. So he goes lower still. He goes lower still. He becomes another rung down. He becomes a human being. Jesus who was God, became a human being. He takes on flesh and blood, which again, it's mind-blowing to think that the God of the universe steps down to become a human being. But even on a human level, you've got people that are kings or celebrities. So Jesus takes another demotion. He humbles himself. He humbles himself, and he's born in a stable to a mother and father who are not rich at all. So Jesus is born into poverty. To understand anything about the life of Jesus, you and I need to remember he was born in abject poverty. He's an underprivileged kid, right? Takes another step down. Even though he's royalty, he's a peasant. And then his family, if you know the early story of Jesus, they have to flee to Egypt. So they are refugees now in Egypt for a while, Down here, now they're refugees. And keep in mind, right, He's God is the reality of who he is. He's God. Now he's taking a step down. He's a refugee. But even that is not low enough. I mean, there's lots of peasants and and refugees and underprivileged people in the world. So he's still going down further. And our passage says that he became obedient to death. He becomes obedient to death. And again, if it was me... If I were God, one of the nice things about being God is that you wouldn't have to ever deal with dying because, you know, you're God. Like, there's nothing glamorous about death. But Jesus descends, becomes obedient to death. Like, it can be a reality. It can happen to him, and it will. But even there, his ladder climb does not stop. There's one rung lower. He humbled himself, became obedient to death. Even death on a cross, death on a cross. Now, when you hit death on the cross, you're hitting rock bottom. In fact, among the people uh, that Jesus lived, among his people, the law actually said, cursed is anyone who is hanged upon a tree. And if you've ever even looked a little bit at the fate of death by crucifixion, you know why it was despised above all others. It was brutal. It's stunning to look at what crucifixion actually does. Um, anybody ever watched the movie The Passion like 20 years ago? The Passion? Right. I mean, holy smokes, like whew, death on a cross was brutal. Yet Jesus, who was God, top of the org chart, humbled himself and allows himself to be killed in a brutal way, a humiliating way, which just blows me away to think about this. See, Jesus went down the ladder as far as he could go, not in spite of the fact that he was God, but precisely because of the fact that he is God. He descended. And I think about that, and I think one of the problems with our lives, if we're trying to climb the ladder and be on our way up, the problem is we're going to pass Jesus because he's on his way down. He's coming down. He serves and he calls us to do the same. And if we're climbing up and he's going down, we're going to miss him. See, following Jesus is all about living as he lived, loving as he loved, serving as he Served. And when we do that, we get to let go of this whole way of life of grasping and ladder climbing. Now, when Jesus came to earth and his ministry here on earth, he we, we talk a lot about this, he was a rabbi. And he starts this little community of of disciples, and and he's gonna teach people what it's like to live in this new way, this kingdom of God way, this reality that he is inviting us into. That way of Jesus. But his the disciples, um, they kind of had a hard time with lots of his teaching. Uh, because, probably like me and maybe some of you, these disciples were graspers. They were really good at trying to climb. In fact, they had this argument that occurred a number of times in the New Testament accounts. And, and the argument was I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase it this way their argument that they would have over and over was hey, who's the number one disciple? <laughs> who's the number one disciple? Uh, One example is in Matthew 20, which to me is just like, whoa, this was the last week of Jesus' ministry here on earth before he's crucified. That's where the context of this part happens. And what goes on is that one of his, two of his disciples, James and John, they have their mom go ask Jesus to make them the number one disciples, right? And then the story goes on and the other disciples, it says, hear about this and they are ticked off probably because they wish they'd thought of it first. Let's just be real. <laughs> Verse 25 says, Jesus called them together, said, hey, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must become your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your Slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And again, in this episode, what, part of what I think is just bonkers about this is that it's, it's near the end of Jesus' life. It's like three years he's been trying to teach them and show them, and, and apparently the lecture method had not worked. Like, it wasn't getting through their heads. And so about a week after this episode, probably a week later... Jesus decides he's gonna drive the point home in a, in a way they'd never forget. Here's the scene, picture this. Uh, it's Passover, and it's actually Jesus' final Passover meal, what we often call the, the Last Supper, where we get our communion piece from. And so Jesus is about to be betrayed and killed. They don't know that yet. But they all show up to this party, the big meal, right? But there was a detail. One detail had not been taken care of. Nobody had found a servant or a slave to, you know, be the foot washer. Now, the most menial job that you could have in that culture and in that day was to be a foot washer because back then, people went around mostly wearing sandals or barefoot, and the roads that they walked on were not paved. They were very dusty. And when it rained, those roads got muddy, and on top of that, there was a lot of, um, we'll call it animal traffic on the roads. <laughs> Nobody cleaning up after the animals. Get it, right? Get it? Got it? Yep. So feet were not the most hygienic parts of the body. Feet got real nasty. So if you came into someone's home, especially for a meal, as a guest, your feet would need to be washed. And so there'd be a servant or a slave that would do that because, you know, whew, To have to wash feet like that, that were dirty like that, that's bottom of the ladder kinds of stuff. So picture this. On the night Jesus is betrayed, they're all gathered together. They're seated for the meal. And I imagine, I don't think it's a stretch to imagine, that they probably were arguing amongst themselves. One of them probably says, hey, dude, dude, I got the room for the Passover meal, so I'm not doing it. And another one says, I went to the market. I got the food, so I'm not doing it. And maybe one of the other guys is like, well, thanks, guys, for making the arrangements, but who was supposed to get the foot washer? Whose job was to get somebody else in here to wash our feet? And Jesus, being in very nature God, precisely because he is God, takes up a towel. John 13 tells us. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, down to, took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus does this. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, <laughs> Seriously? Jesus is like the rabbi, the master teacher. These are his 12 disciples. They are his apprentices. That's what a disciple is, is, is an apprentice, um, which got me thinking then, of course, and reminded me of a reality show from a number of years ago called what? The Apprentice, right? Anybody ever watched it? It was on for like a decade. It's okay, it's not a trick question. You can admit or not, it's fine. It's a safe place, um, Now, if, you, if you've never heard of it, it's, it's basically a show, you know, back when it was filmed about guys and women who, who wanted to hang out with and work for Donald Trump, and this was way before he was pre- president, so it's called The Apprentice. Now, just thinking about that, what do you think the odds are that maybe if, you know, Donald goes back to reality TV one day in one of those future Apprentice episodes, what do you think the odds are that, that, that Donald's going to get down on his knees and polish the shoes of all the people trying out to be his apprentice, Right? It may not happen, right? And this is not picking on him, because I don't know that any of us would do it either, right? It's, not, it's just not something that would occur to us, but, but Jesus gets down on his knees, being in very nature God, takes a basin of water, takes a towel, and, and he does it precisely because it is the nature of God to serve. And before this, I didn't put the slide for this, but, but but it says, right before this happened, it says, Jesus, having loved them, loved them to the end, and this is what he does. So he does this out of love. He's not just trying to teach them a lesson. He's not just trying to shame anyone. He loved them. He served And did it for love. So he takes these dirty, unclean, poo-covered feet in his hands, washes them and dries them off. Which means he even washed the feet of the guy that was about to turn around, go out the door and betray him. He washed that guy's feet too. He does this from one disciple to another and another until all of them had their feet washed. And these guys who were climbers just like you and me played a beautiful song right into the (laughs) well time. That was good. I love that. But these guys, they were they were climbers, just like you, just like me. And when he's done washing their feet, here's what he says. He says, do you realize what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, because that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you must also wash one another's feet. I've set this example for you so that you may do as I have done to you. And now that you know these things, you will be What? blessed if you do them hmm. i think it was uh todd hunter who's now an anglican bishop uh, who once said to myself and a group of my friends on a retreat we were on he he said that, that jesus started what might be called the the fellowship of the towel fellowship of the towel reflecting on this story made sense um and in this community, there would be no climbing, no comparing, no competition, just a bunch of footwashers who know that living by climbing and grasping is just gonna drain the life right out of us. And you think about this again. It is the nature of God to serve very different than what we often think. So so, so what do you think he knows about serving that we don't? See, it's a strange thing, but if we are to trust the words and the way of Jesus, we might embrace the truth that, that towel bearing ends up bringing more fullness than ladder climbing does. In fact, if we read the rest of that Philippians passage that we started with earlier, we'll just put it on the screen and I won't read every word, but, but we see that in this part of the passage that, that Jesus, who went down the ladder to the lowest Lowest rung (laughs) says he was exalted by God to the highest place. So the day is coming, the Apostle Paul says here, when everybody's coming down off the ladder and every knee will touch the ground, every tongue will confess, every tongue. Can you imagine what that'll be like? (laughs) Vladimir Putin's knee is gonna touch the ground. Um, Joe Biden and Donald Trump's knees are going to touch the ground. Richard Dawkins' knee is going to touch the ground. Even powerful athletes like LeBron James, his knee is going to touch... The ground, the wealthiest people in the world and even folks like Jeff Bezos, their knees are gonna touch the ground and you and I, our knees will touch the ground because every knee will bow, every tongue is going to acknowledge that the one who humbled himself to the lowest place has now been put in the highest place and given the highest name and it is this Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords who demonstrated that serving is the path to joy. And then, after he demonstrated it, he invited his disciples, that's you and me if you're a follower of Jesus, he invited us to the fellowship of the towel in John 13, saying, now that you know these things, now that you've heard it and seen Jesus do it, you will be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed if you give up climbing and grasping and instead... Follow me. Follow my way. So what does, what does God want uh, to do through our church family here on this? Um, I've been wondering that and, and just have a couple ideas about that because we actually have a really great foundation of this. We have a number of folks who serve really well. Um, it's in our DNA as a church. And I'll tell you one thing. I think that he wants for this to be a community that is a contrast to this crazy culture of grasping and climbing. He wants this to be a place where ladder climbers are transformed into towel bearers and we become a fellowship of the towel. I mean, just think about it. what's it look like when we become known more and more as a community for recovering ladder climbers, right? When we see each other in the lobby or before church or, or in our small groups, and we say things like, hi, my name is Doug, and I'm a recovering ladder climber. <laughs> thank you. Somebody said hi, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nobody else in recovery here? Come on. Okay. All right. But, 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 but where the posture of our life would be one where you and I put a towel over our arm, <laughs> and, and to all those around us, we say, could I serve you? Can I help you? Um, and here's the deal. It's not like we gotta go muster this up and figure this out uh, out, out of thin air because if, since Christ is in you, his identity, his nature, his DNA has been fused with yours and so it's in you. You actually know and long to be someone who loves and serves other people like Jesus did. It's in you already. You don't have to go find it out here somewhere. It's, it's already there. He just wants to set it free in us. But we know it's not automatic, right? Anybody? Like the ladder is addictive. It's really hard. I know I can't get off the ladder by myself. I'm gonna need help. And I know that Jesus will help and he will use community to help because he specializes in pulling down ladders and picking up towels. And I think probably nearly of all all of us, nearly all of us, if we're honest, we can struggle with this. I mean, I know at least I do. Like this week, I was working on this message I planned out my day really well, left a block of time for finishing my sermon. It was gonna be great to have it all done, just be able to relax, but then I got a text. Uh, And a pastor, a friend of mine, asked if we could meet up, and I knew that it was gonna require... Me to take a couple hours and listen to what he's dealing with. And in my head, my immediate response was, no, I can't do that. I have to write this message on how important it is to serve. I got to convince people to set aside their petty agendas and get off their little ladders and go on and do some servanthood and acts of love. I don't have time to go and do that. I didn't get it as quickly as you guys did, but yes. Um, And I felt the disconnect. Um, And by the way, every urgent need doesn't mean we have to say yes. That's one surefire way to make yourself crazy. <laughs> this is what we talk about here when learning to discern and hear the voice of the Spirit, and this time, the testing of that, the prompting, I sensed was from the Holy Spirit. So we say yes when that happens. So I did. I got a little chance to serve this week, but of course I got a message illustration out of it, so I'm not even sure if serving counts or not. (Laughter) yeah. But honestly, like I don't like to think of myself as a big taker, but I know that I can fall real short in the servanthood department, especially confessional, especially when it comes to dealing with difficult people. Anyone else? <laughs> have, a, have a difficult person in your life, and you go, "Wow, oh, I have not performed an act of service for that difficult person for a very long time, if ever. In fact, maybe if we were to do one, they would be shocked and surprised and would not know how to take it. Anybody else resemble that remark? Anyone? Just me. Okay, Okay, a couple of hands. Okay, good. Well, um, uh, Gary Smalley talks about a husband who had not done a loving gesture, a a servanthood gesture for his wife in a very long time because things had been difficult between them. But he finally feels convicted. He decides, okay, you know what? I needed it. I want to do this. I'm going to do this. So he comes home from work. And she sees him step inside the door of the house, and he's got a box of candy in one hand and a bouquet of flowers in the other. And she starts crying. And then she's sobbing. And he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, honey, honey, what's, what's wrong? And she says, I had a terrible day. The kids missed the bus. I had to drive them to school. Then the washing machine broke down. Billy twisted his ankle. I had to take him home to the emergency room. And now you come home Drunk? Yeah, yep. Fellas, if that sounds like an idea, take yourself, you know, go for it, go for it. Because some of us, some of us have not done an act of love or servanthood for a long time, and maybe it is somebody difficult in your life. Maybe it's not a family member. Maybe it is. But to tell you the truth, um, that's a way to take up the towel, and there's so many ways to take up the towel. There's so many ways, just practical ways, of what it looks like to pick up the ministry of the towel, I mean, at work, maybe it could be you're in a meeting and, and you have a chance to do some self-promotion, but instead you take up the towel by building someone else up or backing them or encouraging their idea. Or maybe taking up the towel would, would look like you're in your small group and somebody's just dumping out their frustrations and we could try to choose to fix them and offer cliched advice or just shut them down. Or we could take up the towel, listen, listen, and and maybe see if there are words of encouragement that we want to offer. Um, maybe even words that you wish somebody else would speak to you, that you speak those words to them. That might be one way to take up the towel. Maybe Maybe at home, taking up the towel would be, you know, there's a thousand things to do and there's... Dishes to be done and laundry to be done. Something's got to be put away or fixed, but you could take up the towel instead because someone needs to be listened to or your kids need to be read to or played with. That would be one way to take up the towel. We're here at Hope. We're a part of this great church where every week, from the first impressions greeter team uh, to our tech teams, yep, there we go, there's a shout out. To our tech teams, to our to our kids ministry and youth ministry and the landscape crew and so many other ways, there are places that we can take up the towel but outside of our walls as well, outside of our walls with our new refugee ministry or the food drive that's taking place next month or this one mission Mexico trip that's happening this weekend, getting on board for one of the future ones. Or, or, or you could take up the towel by helping with, with Alpha where people are gonna find and follow Jesus and that team, there's another shout out, Need some help with that group as well. There's so many ways for us to take up the towel and serve. And so as the worship team comes now, I don't think you need me to walk you through a bunch more examples. Um, I actually think this is a good time for a decision. I think for each of us as individuals and for us collectively as a church family, uh, I want us to get really clear about the question, um, do I want my life to be about the ladder or the towel? What do I want to do with my life? Do I want it to be about the ladder climbing and achievement and professional status or titles or fame or recognition or financial security or whatever it is? Do I want my life to be about climbing the ladder or about the towel? And so I want to give us just a moment each to individually talk with God about this. In fact, just bow your heads for a moment now. See, it's a scary thing to get off the ladder I think ever since the fall of humankind, our temptation is to strive. I gotta strive and grasp and achieve and climb. I gotta get up there. But friends, God is coming down. So for your life, just between you and God, just take a moment right now just to talk to God. Um, If your decision is that you wanna be a towel bearer, that you don't want to spend your life as a ladder climber, just just pause and just tell him that. And even as you're telling him that, maybe there's things you go, I want to make some changes. Then ask God, just ask him, just tell him to, that God, you want, I need your help. God, I need your help to realign my heart to get off the ladder and with your help I want to learn to serve in the way that Jesus did out of love not out of obligation or pressure no no I want to serve and do it for love out of that true heart that you placed in me just tell him